Mason, we surpassed a thousand listens. Did we really? Yeah, we did. Bet. I mean, all we had to do was wait like three weeks to post another episode. <laughs> it's been a minute, but we did it. Yeah. We've uh we got a lot to catch up on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot. A lot in the world. A lot in our own personal worlds. Yeah. Recently, I'm sure you've heard, I had a little accident, a little spill. I heard, we'll, yeah. We'll go ahead and get that out of the out of the way real quick. Um, You're going to steer into the skid? Yeah, I'm just going to get right into it. Uh, I wrecked my motorcycle, and uh, the stereotype of the overconfident young guy on a sport bike is, is, <laughs> is very present on my brain, and, you know, listen... You can come at me with whatever I told you so, like everybody wrecked. Like, you know, I get it. It's cool. I'm alive. You know, the bike is not so much. Tell me why the best things feel so wrong. Summer nights, love them how they take so long. Run with the feeling of being alive. Are you scratched up? I'm scratched up. That's about it, though. How far did you slide? I walked away. Um, about forty or fifty feet. I was uh, I was riding with my friend Jason um, at at Blood Mountain of all places. <laughs> uh, people think I'm joking when I say it's Blood Mountain because it just sounds like a joke. But a lot of irony really, in that one. I know, I know. Uh, it's it it is called Blood Mountain. It's like an hour and a half north of Atlanta, because uh, that's where Jason lives. Um, we, we had been planning this for like three weeks or so. We were just like looking forward to going. It was perfect weather. Jason had just bought a new bike. Um, he got a really nice like Ducati, uh, sport bike. And, uh, we went out and, um, it was like eight thirty or nine and, uh, I think like there was like the traffic was not that bad. Weather was good. We were kind of taking it easy and you know, there was a little bit of a strip of moisture in one of these turns that I was probably going a little bit too fast into. And um was it like a hairpin? There was very it was very tight turns. Like if you ever driven in the mountains somewhere and like you're just everybody sightseeing and it's like really, really tight turns and there's cliffs. Like that's kind of where we were at. That's kind of tight. Yeah. I mean, it's really fun riding up there. This was, this was, I've ridden up there before. Um, but it just snuck up on me. I, I kind of slipped on some moisture, um, in the road and the bike slid out from under me and, uh, the bike kind of went off a cliff, but I didn't thankfully. So, Jeez. uh, yeah, I was, it was a very surreal moment. Like the, uh, m- really the time after the wreck, I was like kind of shaking a little bit and trying to gather what had just happened. Um, mm-hmm. cause you know, the adrenaline was really, really flowing there. Um, and I was just trying to figure out like at first where my bike was, like I, I didn't know where it was and I, had to come to the realization that it was at the bottom of a cliff. What the heck? Yeah, that was uh, that was the most. 
You know, the weirdest thing was I remember sliding on my back on the pavement thinking not of whether I was going to be okay, but whether my bike was going to be okay, <laughs> Dang. which is really strange because like I didn't feel any pain. I was literally right. just like sliding, rolling or whatever. It really wasn't as bad as probably what you would think. Um, and then as soon as I got up, I knew it was over. So was, was Jason in front of you or behind you? Jason was in front of me and we had our Bluetooth intercom. So like we were talking to each other uh, and, um, this is another strange thing. So you, you know about, um, what's, oh my gosh. Uh, what's, oh yeah. Episodic memory. Have you ever heard of that concept? Vaguely. It's, it's, it's very simple. It's like any, any time where, um, you're experiencing something that like elevates your adrenaline or just sticks out to you or whatever mm-hmm. you can, you can call that episodic memory because your memory is going to be heightened during that moment. Hmm. So the reason I bring that up is I remember exactly how many times I had rolled before I heard Jason say what he said. Uh, and I won't repeat it. I was about to ask if he could. No. But Jason knew because Jason had been riding with his friend a while back and he remember exactly what it sounded like. He just, you just kind of hear kind of a skid of metal on the pavement. He mm-hmm. knew exactly what had happened. And I remember like what Jason was telling me as I was sliding. And I just thought that was interesting. Cause like you would think that you wouldn't be focusing on anything else, but it's, it's actually the opposite. Like you focus on everything. You're hyper-focused. Hyper-focused. Yeah. Holy crap. Which is kind of cool. But yeah. Um, I had really good protective gear on thanks to Jason. I had forgotten my riding pants. This is another crazy thing. I forgot my riding pants that morning. And, uh, Jason was like, dude, you should really just probably just wear some of mine. Like, and I was like, ah, no, I don't, it's, it's, it's fine. We'll take it easy. I was just going to go out there in my jeans and leather jacket. He was like, no, please put these on. And I was like, okay, all right, I'll put them on. And sure enough, they literally, literally saved my butt. Like they have Kevlar in them, <laughs> like literally saved my butt. Um, so anyways, what was I'm, the, a, I'm a lucky guy. What was the process like immediately after you stood up calling, I guess, a wrecker? I don't know who you called. The process immediately after I stood up was telling everybody who was driving by that I'm okay. Uh, um, yeah, I bet a lot of people stopped. A lot of people stopped, yeah. Mm-hmm. One guy actually gave me a ride to my truck, which was at the top of the mountain. So, uh, he's a really nice guy also named Alex. Okay. And, um, uh, yeah, he, he was just making sure that I was, I was fine and not like concussed or anything like that, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so did he do the soon, scat five? The what? The scat <laughs> no. five. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it wasn't that in depth of a medical analysis. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I got back to my truck and Jason rode his bike back and we kind of met up and Jason was like, let's just, uh, let's just sit on the back of your truck for a minute. Let's gather ourselves. Cause that was kind of a big deal, you mm-hmm. know? And then, you know, we went through the whole calling the sheriff and getting our, you know, wrecker out there and yeah. stuff like that. So. All right. What, the important call to your wife. Um, not easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she, uh, she was just making sure that I was okay and. Um, she was happy that I was okay, but also pretty upset that I was, uh, assumably riding irresponsibly. Although I really, I really wasn't, I was kind of going at a normal pace 
it just kind of a freak thing happened, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, I imagine that was a tough conversation. It wasn't easy. Yeah. Has but she has she cool. been traditionally supportive of the bike? <laughs> I honestly don't know the answer to that. No. She okay. does, she does not like it. No. Okay. She doesn't like it. But I guess she doesn't really have to worry about that anymore because the bike is <laughs> pretty much totaled. So pretty much. Does that mean that it is salvageable? Yeah, I mean, like, it's not crumbled like it's out on, on the porch right now. No, oh, it's on a stand. It's just, you know, there is, like, leaking oil and stuff, and the whole front dash is all crushed in. The chassis is fine, though, and I'm mm. not sure if it actually runs because all the oil drained out, so I don't want to crank mm-hmm. it up. Yeah. Man. What an adventure. How long? It, that was yeah. last weekend? Uh, Two weekends ago. Two weekends ago. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. I had, um, yeah. The good Lord was looking over me that day, for sure. Yeah, I believe he was. I don't think I've had any major injuries since then. I smashed my hand with a hammer and a crowbar, but that's about it. Not a major smash, just got it pretty good. Doing what? Taking out cabinets in the house. Oh, oh, oh I dang, think, you're getting after it. I think since the last podcast, I've closed on a house and began the remodeling process. Yeah. So there's you an update. Um, that's a that's a big that's a big up. I knew I knew you had gotten the house. I didn't know you had started. Remodeling. Yeah. So we we closed on the house. Uh, what was it? I guess a week and a half ago. Thursday, a week a week and a half ago, and. We walked in last week, started planning. We're going to redo the entire kitchen. That's We knew ahead of time that's what we were going to do. Started ripping out cabinets this weekend. So that's your first project then, the kitchen? Mm-hmm, the kitchen. And then it's a total remodel. Well, I say total. We're going to keep the flooring, but we're going to yeah, paint you told, the Yeah, you told me you like the flooring. What's it called again, The where it's like the square pattern? It's parquet. The wood flooring? Parquet. I don't, yeah. I don't love the flooring, but we've heard from multiple people that Insurance companies love parquet flooring, and they pay well for them. And we've seen pictures of redoing them, and they kind of look nice. So we're going to stain them darker. Um, yeah, the picture you sent me, like your the whole kitchen was wood finished. It's basically, oh so. my gosh, it's so much, and it's all one yeah. color. Wood, the wood paneling and the floor are the same color, so it'll look a lot better when Holy you get crap. some yeah. get some contrast in there. Yeah, we're definitely going to paint the walls, but I think we're going to leave the wood paneling on the wall, just paint it. That way it has the texture in the lines cuz I think it kind of looks cool. Yeah. Um for sure. We're going to cool. do a, we're going to do a coffee bar in this little nook. There was a telephone desk. Turn that into a coffee bar. We're going to obviously redo the cabinets, new appliances. I think new light fixtures were kind of sketched out by the whole electrical situation because it's an old fuse box. and the. I think the kitchen is the only room in the house that has ground wires. Mm. So we're in over our heads with the electrical, but I think Andrew's dad's going to come over and take a peek at it and tell us everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I hope. Yeah, the, the wiring at our house, which is also, I don't know how old your house is, but 62. it's not like a, Okay, yeah, so, yeah, ours was like 72, so the uh, wiring was definitely an issue here, mm-hmm. um, and it, it really depends, like, if you had somebody who knew what they were doing. Then Did you redo the wiring? 
We redid a lot of it. Yeah. But you're, are you on fuses too? But only because we had to. Yeah, we we actually had to replace all the fuses. Oh, but y'all didn't put in a breaker box. Y'all left it as fuses. Yeah, I mean, like we we kept the same breaker box. Okay. Oh wait, I'm sorry. We changed the breakers. We're not. I don't know. What we're you on mean a by fuse that. box. Like yeah, we're not on a fuse box. We're on a breaker. This is box. old school. Okay. And it's sketchy. Dang. Yeah, I we don't took- know anything about fuse boxes really. Hope somebody does. Me and Josh took out the appliances, and there's just wires hanging everywhere. Now, before people get on my butt about it, we pulled those fuses out for like the main lights and the appliances. So they're not hot; they're just hanging out. Yeah, but it's sketchy. I don't love it. So, what else is new with you? I haven't spoken to you. Um. Well, I might as well just get this one off my chest. I I ordered my suit for my wedding a couple weeks ago. I measured myself and one of my coworkers helped me a little bit, but sent it off to this company company in India that does not do refunds. And I got my suit in today and it's a little tight. Mm. So I am it's tough. Dude, this past twenty four hours has really been a kick in the nuts. And the suit being a little tight is frustrating but it's not tight in the sense that like you know if you gain weight things get tight that's not how it fits it fits in the waist it fits in the butt i even have room in the crotch it's just tight down the legs like the thigh and the knee are just pencil tight dang really yeah and then the same with the jacket is like i can button it i have room in the front but the sleeves are just tight and i don't have big biceps or forearms i have so do i need to like do I need to order like a size up from what I think? No, no, no. I ordered from a different company. And I'll explain why in just a moment. I'll okay. explain why. Okay. You're going to like the reason, but I'll finish this. I, that's it. It's just too tight in the sleeves Dang. and the legs. So I'm going to take it tomorrow to a, a tailor downtown that I've used a, f- a few times. See if he yeah. can save my butt. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, that's here's, unfortunate. Here's why I ordered from this company. So, I don't know if you know anything about Harris Tweed, the textile, but. No, not really. So, this company in India, I won't say their name. No free ads, especially for someone who gives me a tight suit. Um, you have all my measurements and it still comes in tight. Uh, mm. <laughs> they offered a Harris Tweed. Suit, which Harris Tweed is a textile made in Scotland by like the native people of Scotland, and it's the only textile protected by Parliament. It's pretty sick the way like it's. I'll have to read more on it. Made by the natives. Mm-hmm. Made by the natives, and there was this whole thing because they were. I don't know if they were being bought out or forced out of their land. I don't know how all of it worked. But Parliament passed an act that said, you know what? The natives are going to keep their sheep or whatever it is. They're going to maintain the ability to create this wool textile. And so they make fine wools. And a lot of suit makers use it to make tweed suits. Hmm. I should have went with a nice suit maker, but that would have cost me like $1,000. And I'm not about to do that. So I ordered from a company in India. And uh, and I'm an idiot. Kind of bit you a little bit. Yeah, 
I'll I'll plead ignorance. I just hate the feeling of being stupid. Well, I mean, nobody wants to fork out a thousand dollars for a suit. Heck though. no. It looks great when you when I put it on. It looks like a European fit. Like, yeah, it looks like I'm meant to get it like this, and it just it's all tapered, but it does not feel good. Yeah, well, you know they they grow them a little bit smaller over there in India. I believe they might. <laughs> so, might Gosh, have something to do with it. When I put it on, I was just sad. My mom was like, "I it might could work." I was like, "Come on down." <laughs> Thing. Um, let's tough. see what else you you mentioned today that you had like something that happened at work or something um, are you okay to bring that up I don't know what it was uh, I don't know yeah. anything about it yeah I, I can talk about it a little bit today was actually a, a bit of an up and down day I, it started off great had a had a good meeting at lunch with Lucy, my friend, a.k.a. boss, and Nathan Click, who's like, I guess, chief operations, chief clinic operation. I don't know what his title is, but he's just the clinic director in Pelham. But he has a lot of insight on how to enter a niche market. And so we talked about the golf world and how I can really market myself there. And and so we were trying to lay out like what's a good fee schedule for both parties how can we get to the end goal of providing our services to a golf club in Birmingham and so that went very well and then he stuck around and taught us some stuff the dude's brilliant he has a lot to offer and he he's just been exposed to a lot of techniques that of course a new grad has not been exposed to so I learned a lot of cool techniques today which I can tell you about in a bit, but is there other things going on? Um, you seem a little bit stressed. Yeah, I was is frazzled. House? Yeah, it's, it's a combination of the house because I God, I came in last night and Jerry was sitting there and he caught me by surprise. He was like, "You're in over your head with this house," and I was like, "What? Where is this mm-hmm. coming from?" And he hit me with the whole electrical situation. He was like, you need to be more attentive. You need to just hire somebody to do all the electrical, all the plumbing, to hire, to hang the cabinets. It's like, Papa, that's $25,000, dollars $20, $25,000. I, I can't just shell that out. Right. I knew going into it that I was going to do a lot of the work by myself or as much as I could. And he was like, <laughs> just classic grandfather boy you got a lot to learn about this business and I was like oh my gosh of course he's been around the block he did dirt work for housing and I mean he does know better in a sense but I don't know it scared me to death he's like you're not gonna be able to do all that and he started listing off these things like it's a fuse box you got a a ceiling joist that has been cut through because they vented the stove 50 years ago and mm-hmm. you're going to have to have somebody to put the sink in the countertops. And I'm like, I, I know all that. I've got a lot of people around me that can help answer questions. I don't know why you're attacking me, but <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was purely out of love. Yeah. The thing with home renovations is like every, everybody I know that I talked to for advice on ours was telling me basically the same thing. Like 
It's going to cost more than you expect. It's going to take more time than you expect. You're going to be in over your head. You're not going to be able to do all of it yourself. And yes, all of that was true. But um, we've gotten done everything except for the kitchen for more reasons that um, we don't have to go into. But like, yeah, it costed more than we expected. But you know, and it took more time than we expected. And yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a mess, but like, because of how many people told me that, like, I kind of just, I'm not surprised by <laughs> how long it took and how expensive it was. Like, okay. If everybody's telling me that that's going to happen, I'm going to, it's going to happen. Yeah. So if you go in with that mindset of like, you're not going to finish on time, you're going to spend more money, no matter what budget you put, you're going to spend <laughs> over budget. I promise you, you yeah. will find a way to go over budget. The first rough budget that me and Krista set, it's it will be shattered. Oh yeah, hundred percent, dude. I'm telling you, it's will it's be insane. And people will continue to renovate houses, and people will continue to shatter budgets because that's just <laughs> how it is. I mean, you if you want a house, you know, you don't want to buy a brand new one, and you want to renovate it to how you like it. Well, you're gonna you're gonna fork out the money for it. You know, this is yeah. how it is. I think. One big stressor can be eliminated this week. Hopefully, Andrew's dad will come swing by and take a look at it because I don't know if you know about Andrew's family and, like, his dad and uncle and how well-versed they are. You're looking at me a little Uh, blank. His dad is a – yeah, he works in IT. I don't really know. Yeah, I I, I know him, but I don't really know what he does. Well, his dad's like a computer guru, works in IT at – cat or thompson tractor but he's a plumber by trade and his brother is an electrician by trade and his other brother who's now passed away was a mechanic so it was like these three brothers just ruled the trade industry they can now you have andrew yeah they could do anything (laughs) and then then you got their offspring is yeah yeah (laughs) who can do anything he wants everything yeah right so andrew's gonna meet me over there tomorrow take a look at it and then hopefully get randy over there but yeah if i could get the electrical question answered then i'll feel much more comfortable just like how do i do this can i do it safely or do you want to do it well i'll give you i'll give you a little bit of advice before we move on to the next topic or whatever Mm -hmm. um you can take it or leave it but as far as the electrical issues go there is a point where it is worth it to pay more than what you expected if it's going to solve the issue. Right. Because especially somebody who's, you know, you and Krista are both full-time mm-hmm. working individuals. You're very busy. And there comes a point where it's diminishing returns of, of trying to do things yourself. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. so. Like how know, much, how much does my sanity cost? Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of, I know it. I know contracting work is over, overpriced and super expensive, but mm-hmm. it can be worth it if you get somebody in there who knows what they're doing. Yeah, and I was coming to grips with that talking to my parents today. Is like, I don't want to run the risk of me wiring the appliance by myself. Mm-hmm. It be faulty wiring, and just set the house on fire. Right. Right. Because the way Papa Jerry's telling me would how old the wiring is and the fuse situation is like that is a possibility and that has happened to people 
And so I don't want that. And so I was, I was coming to terms with it. It's like, I may have to hire an electrician and that's okay. I can still do the flooring. I still got people around me that can help with the cabinets. All the cosmetic stuff can be done by us, but I should consider highly the electrician and the plumber. Yeah, you'll get it sorted out, dude. Yeah, it's just the weight of the world hit me in 24 hours, and it seems petty. Like, I'm sure there's older people listening to me. Well, there may not be any older people. I don't really know. But listening is like, this is so little. Like, he's worried about a suit and a kitchen remodel. Yep. But it did. It hit all in 24 hours, and it, I, get I don't it. know. Yeah. I was a little sissy about it. <laughs> no, it's it adds up for sure. You got a lot on your plate. Yeah, but we're in a good headspace now. Yeah, that's good. Um, did you write anything in the notes? No, but there's something that I have to mention. Okay. And everyone knows it's coming. Everyone, including me? Everyone. And it's about Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The saga yeah. continues. The saga continues, yeah. This so. son of a gun. <laughs> the audacity to say that Augusta is going to play like a par 67 for him and his distance. And then he goes out and doesn't break 70 except for one day. <laughs> yeah. You get what's coming, big dog. How many Aussies do you think were so happy to see their boy Cam Smith. Cameron? Yeah, just putting a beating on that course and kind of laughing at it. While the big American buff guy just got torn to shreds. <laughs> I kind of like it. I don't actively root for Cam Smith. He's he's a goofy-looking dude. But Mason doesn't like goofy-looking dudes. <laughs> he's just he's not like a good old American kid like Jordan Spieth. But I do I did make the comment. I forgot who it was to. Maybe Will. I like that he's sponsored by Munsingware. I think that's kind of tight. Because Penguin was something that my dad used to wear, and so I'm like, that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, but yeah, you're you've always been a big fashion guy. But I'm not on board with Deshambo and what he said, and I'm glad that he got ejected. Yeah, he got ejected. DJ won. It's almost getting boring at this point. How good DJ is. DJ is so good, so good. I don't mean to take away from his skill at all. I'm just saying, like, when you win as much as DJ does and with the ease that he does, it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, you won. Let's he yeah, has let's move on. He has the highest ceiling, and how he only has two majors is mind-boggling to me. I do remember one of the commentators talking about his mindset, and I thought there was – like kind of hitting the nail on the head like DJ's got the perfect combination of being able to the way he phrased it I'm paraphrasing was like he can f hyper focus while he's p playing or while he's hitting a certain shot mm -hmm. and then immediately forget about that shot yeah which is like the perfect like nobody no average golfer can really do that especially one who's actually relatively good Oh, you're constantly thinking about you yeah. know, the the shots you were hitting or whatever. His short-term memory appears to be very sharp. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's like not a care in the world. Like yeah, he's just like, out there hitting one shot, literally one shot at a time. 
is perfect to win golf tournaments. I loved Rory's. You're a big Rory guy. I loved Rory's comments about it. Him saying that he don't think there's another player in the history of golf that has the attitude that Dustin does, and that's not caring. Yeah, like, exactly. You just go out, you make a bad shot. Oh, well, I'll probably birdie the next three out of four. Yeah, he's a freak. Yeah, and it's awesome. It's fun to watch. Yeah. Um, all right, enough golf takes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I wrote down something in the notes, and for the life of me, Mason, I couldn't remember the context in which I was thinking of this phrase. Oh, no. Like, which is even... fine, because it's it's applicable to a lot of things. <laughs> but I remember thinking, like, I remember thinking about it and writing it down and thinking, like, yeah, this is a really good thought, but I didn't write out the rest of the context. I just wrote the quote that that I was thinking of. Is it the bottom one? The yeah, never the, underestimate. Yeah, so you can, you can read it, I guess. He put never underestimate your brain's ability to prove itself right. And I think I was thinking about that in the context of. It might have been in the context of like political thinking. <laughs> Which, I mean, that would make sense. That's not at all what I would have predicted. Really? Yeah. What what would you have thought? There's a book called uh, The Brain That Changed Itself, and it's about like neuroplasticity and how you can shape the way you perceive pain and stuff like that Mm -hmm. based on like your neural pathways and stuff like that. But yeah, that's what I would have anticipated. Okay, I got you. I was more so thinking about it in the context of um, people. So like never underestimate your brain's ability to prove itself. Right. It's more so like, I feel like there's a subconscious ability for your brain to find what it, what you agree with and kind of go with that and kind of ignore what you don't agree with or perhaps don't like, or maybe it challenges your opinions or views. Mm Um, I mean, it's, it, it's talked about a lot in the political space of like Mm -hmm. echo chambers and, you know, kind of only listening to people who, uh, who are easy to listen to. In other Mm. words, people who you agree with. Right. And it's like the, that's kind of like what's contributing to political polarization. Exactly. Like the right wing becoming far more right and the left being even more left. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was getting at when I, when I wrote that down, I think, but I feel like it's, I feel like it's kind of applicable in a lot of areas. Yeah, Um, for sure. I also think pretty quickly about fear. Like Seth told me a quote one day that, I mean, it's kind of like the old, there's nothing to fear, but fear itself. Mm -hmm. Seth told me one that was, golly, what did it say? Most often the thing, the thing you fear is not as, golly, Frick, I'll never remember it. I think I I think I know what you're talking about. I wrote about, it I wrote that dang quote down. Okay. If Rosalie would quit eating cereal in the next room. Yeah, I hear it clanking. Yeah, I know you do. Hey Rosalie. This mic is picking up everything you're doing. 
Like literally everything. L- literally everything. Yes, I can hear that. Just wait a second. We're almost done. And now I need to bathe now. Just wait a minute. We're almost done. It can pick that up too, by the way. <laughs> you keep going, I'm going to actually post this. That's true. Actually, I'm editing it. I'm posting it. Yeah, Mason said he's posting it. This is actually getting more and more funny, so it's actually yeah. elevating the chance of it. Being Keep posted. on going, Rosa. Keep going, Rosa. This is great content. Speaking of sagas, this is the other saga. There's the Bryson saga, and then there's the Rosa trying to get on the podcast. Rosa's, Rosa's perpetual efforts to <laughs> become famous like us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I found the quote. Oh, it's, really? It's not okay. as profound. Like the the lead up to it is not as good as the quote itself. But it's just oftentimes fear itself is bigger than that which we are afraid. Very true. This is very true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, that goes hand in hand with what I was saying about your mind proving itself yeah. right. Because yeah, exactly. It's kind of like. Uh, your your brain wants to con- wants to convince you of the of the truth at which you're thinking about. So like, if you're scared about something, your brain wants to convince you that those fears are justified. You know, there's a reason for you to be mm-hmm. scared. It takes effort sometimes for you to actually, you know, rationalize the fact that it's it's probably something that is not actually real. You know? Exactly. Um. Yeah. Uh, on a, in another note, let me update you in my uh, medical school stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, my buddy Jack said something that I thought was kind of funny. Uh, we had our f- it was actually several weeks ago when this happened uh, when we had our first anatomy lab with real cadavers, oh. which is an insane experience for somebody who's not. Uh, ever been in the medical field it's it's really interesting that you can actually work on real people like Mm -hmm. it's a wild experience like how many people do you think have ever seen what the inside of a body looks like in the anatomical structures and stuff such a small percent yeah so really cool i thought that this was fascinating and up until this point i had been doing nothing but having my head in a book so to have like you the ability to use my hands was amazing to me. Mm-hmm. And I walked out of my lab um, in the previous, in the the next lab was standing outside waiting. And my buddy Jack was in that next lab. And so like I walked up to him and he was like, how was it? And I was like, so pumped. And uh, I was telling him like, I was so excited to finally get to use a scalpel and, um, you know, try to be like really precise. I, I just like that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then later on he was like, Alex, I'm a little bit freaked out that the most excited that you've been all year has been after working on a dead human being, but <laughs> we're just going to let that go. <laughs> uh, anyways. That is kind of funny, though. Yeah. No, it's... Did, it's, you have, did y'all dissect sure. them? Yeah. We've been dissecting them. Oh. That's like all of our anatomy labs. 
I guess that's the med school would dissect them and then we just get to come in and look. Yeah. And dig around. Yeah. yeah so like we, um, like every, every week we're doing a different section. That's kind of so. legit that you get to do that. It's super cool. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing privilege, especially because like not all medical schools have it and we have a really good anatomy lab. So I think one of the more profound feelings that I had in a cadaver lab was when we did like brain structures and stuff. And mm-hmm. you just get that tray with either half a brain or a whole brain. And you allow the thought to come to you that that is somebody's entire life. Yeah. Sitting that's in wild. a tray. Right. Like that's, every that's memory crazy. they have is right there. Yeah. Kind of weird. That's, yeah. It's, that's very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, Rosa, <laughs> Rosa asked me the other day, like if you did a brain, um, transplant, if that was even possible, would you retain the memories of the person whose brain you received? Oh, that'd be sick. I kind of had a cop out answer that like you're, I'm pretty sure your neurons die after like eight <laughs> minutes of hypoxia. So I don't think that <laughs> that's <laughs> true though. Yeah. So, uh, I but anyways, learning about like crush injuries, right? Yeah. It's, or like yeah. sustained pressure on nerves. Mm hmm. But anyways, I, I bring that up to say that like after after my first anatomy lab, I called my mom um, because a while back before I had even started med school, she was like, I have an idea of kind of like what you would probably want to do, but I'm not going to tell you. And that bothered the crap out of me, Mason. It's like, why are you not telling? Why are you being so cryptic? Just tell me. Like, what do you think I'm going to do? You said I, this was Jenny? Yeah, this is my mom. And so, um, but anyways, I called her after that and I was like, I'm not sure about this. Like, I'm not just saying this, but I really do think that surgery is definitely a possibility for me just because I like to work with my hands. Heck yeah. And, uh, and mom went, and my mom was like, uh, and I went on to ask her what the thing was that she thought that I would do. And she was like, uh, general surgery. So I thought that was interesting. Mm, Yeah. It is cool that y'all. Have the same thought. Yeah. Also, I talked to her again today. You remember how last episode we were asking about other people's ticks? Mm-hmm. She, she has one. Really? And it's kind of weird. So my mom, and let me know if you know anybody who does this or whatever, but like she'll see any series of numbers and she'll try to add them up, divide them, subtract them until she gets like an even number. And it'll just be like a, a speed limit sign or, you know, anything with a number on it, like, or an address. And she'll just do that all day. It's just a game that she plays. Yep. What? Yep. Just kind of. And she says she doesn't even like math, which is weird. That's kind of cool, though. Yeah, because it sounds like something that like somebody who's a mathematician would do. Yeah, and just <laughs> you remember the show Numbers, the guy that yeah. worked with like the crime unit, right? That's like yeah. something he would do. Yeah, but she says she's not even good at math. She just does, it's kind of a tick. She just sees a number and she tries to play with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird, but. I don't no weirder it. than mine, I guess. You know, no, Apple doesn't no, no. far fall far from the tree. I shared. Has, sorry, what, go ahead. I shared the 
that little tidbit that we talked about with people that I knew wouldn't listen to the podcast because I was still very excited about that information. They thought it was cool too, because they were they immediately thought I'm talking about some of my coworkers mm-hmm. being visual versus tactile learners and how they go about their thought processes. That was irrelevant you're about information. T- you talking about the tick thing or the? Well, Something that started else. the tick thing started with the conversation of how we think and like, oh, like yeah. a, me brushing my hair was me right, like yeah. self consoling in moments of stress and how I think and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we'll cut that out. Why do you have to say that? <laughs> <laughs> I felt stupid. <laughs> um, oh, back back to the whole brain transplant plant thing i thought of a question okay suppose your brain goes out and they do transplant a brain to you whose memories would you want in your head like if you can have own. no Wait, no it's a brain well, transplant it's a brain transplant your brain's crap like do they have to be alive the, no, or they, anybody anybody and don't do something like somebody who's really intelligent Unless you like their memories. Okay. Um, gosh, I mean, that's that's a hard question because a lot of people have lived yeah, really like cool Jordan lives. Jordan Spieth. Um, do I get to use the this person's memories and, like, innovate or, like, use that information to sell something? I or? knew you'd do something like this. What? No, is it's that not a scum scummy. Move? It's just who is it? Um, Steve Jobs, <laughs> Nikola Tesla, maybe. Except I would do things differently. <laughs> I wouldn't let I wouldn't let Thomas Edison and his ghouls his take gang over of my brothers. technology. All those delinquents. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, Steve Jobs is a pretty good answer, I guess. But Elon Musk, maybe. You're such an intellect. What? Who should I choose? Mark Twain? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Shakespeare? Edgar Allan Poe. (laughs) Edgar Allan Poe would be a great one, in my opinion. That's a... No. That's a dark... That is a dark... He was so twisted. That was a messed up You know, he married his 13-year-old... Like he straight up cousin. married his cousin. Yeah. And he was 27, I think. And he didn't see a dang thing wrong with it. Jeez, man. It makes sense why he wrote such dark things. Wasn't he was he bipolar or uh probably. I need to listen to that podcast again. What stuff you know or uh no, it was that weird dude that starts talking in a weird tone. Uh, golly, can't remember his name. No, not Joe Rogan. Don't oh, that. yeah, no, I know who you're talking about. Um, yeah, the, the dude is like really eccentric. He's kind of yeah. Annoying. We listened to the the dark web episode. Yeah, uh, he was he's a weird dude. Yeah, he has he covers some interesting people. I wish I could think of the anyways name of the guy, but yeah, Edgar Allan yeah. Poe. I wouldn't want his memories. I would be depressed all the time. Yeah. Edgar Allan Poe was my favorite writer until I found out that he married his cousin. Hmm. And then I had a lot of troubles. 
I guess he's still my favorite writer, though. I love, like, The Raven and stuff. Yeah, gotta separate the work from the artist. Mm-hmm. What? Oh, uh, no. What, I was trying to think of another topic. Well, what was the... Um, what was the psychology thing that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I I want to mention it, but I want to also read more about it and talk more at length. Okay. Because it's brought up on the social dilemma. Uh, Dr. I think Anna Lemke is her name. She's a professor at Stanford. She studies like pain and neuroscience and like opioid addiction and crap like that. Um, but there's like this relationship that she talks about between pain and pleasure. And when you look it up, there's some different resources. And there was a recent study like that they did with mice or something. I don't know how they are going to make that jump from mice and neural pathways to like human neural pathways. Cause they're very different in the way that we process emotion. But some of the stuff that they mentioned in like, the introduction of the study, it was talking about, um, like how obviously we seek pleasure and avoid pain. And they were talking about how, where is it? People, people suffering from depression may stop doing things that once gave them pleasure. Whereas people with anxiety disorders go to greater lengths to avoid potential threats and it was an interesting like balance where like the people with depression are avoiding things that were pleasurable where like the anxiety were really running from potential threats but also like there's some like uh psychological principles called like the opponent process theory yeah i've heard of this and it's where you have like two things that are in pairs and how they like have to balance each other out um, like if one thing is active, the other has to be suppressed. Like when you consider pain and pleasure, it's if you're having pleasure, it's assumed that pain is suppressed mm-hmm. or vice versa. If you're having pain, you're not going to have pleasure. And like the two have to coexist because you can't really have pleasure if you don't know what pain is. And it creates like this. I guess, continuum throughout life that if you never experience pain, you'll never truly experience pleasure. And so you have to have both in coexistence Hmm. for them to be like a sliding scale throughout your lifetime. Interesting. Yeah. So I want to read more about it. Yeah. There's, there's a lot there. I mean, even with the opponent process theories, because like there's a, there's an opponent process theory of, um, like of like color theory, which I know that's not yeah, what you're talking about. Yeah, there is. About. But there's also the important process of theory, uh, process theory of emotion put out by uh, Richard Solomon. But uh, anyways, that goes back to like freaking, that was actually on, on the MCAT for the psych- really? psychology thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, we need to talk about that later on with, um, with Seth. Mm-hmm. I, know that he, I think that would... I know that he wanted to talk about the the social dilemma a little bit and a bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, um, let's see. What else? Do you, is there anything else you want to catch up on before we go to our idiom paradoxes? Not particularly. No. 
Not that I can think of. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your idiom. You said you had one already prepared, which yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you, but also yeah. disappointed given the title of our show. Well, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm unprepared for a lot of things that I'm facing in life currently. At least let me be prepared for the idiom. That is true. Yeah. This was a an one that came up that I didn't I was kind of unaware of when I was in college when I was working on my project. Regard that's a stupid side story. Papa Jerry used to ask me if I was getting my ox out of the ditch on Sundays and I was like, "What the heck does that mean?" and it would always be when I was going to work on something. There's I've a verse. Yeah, there's a verse in Luke 14 where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says, if one of you has an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath, or other translations say a ditch, if you have an ox that falls into the ditch on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? Basically saying that if something comes up to where you have to work, are you not going to do it? Yeah. So there's an old saying. It's like, are you going to get your yeah. ox out of the ditch? Because I've been working on the house a lot on Sunday. Yeah, you're so. going to be pulling out a lot of oxes out of a lot of ditches. Yeah, my ox is going to be persistent in going to that ditch. Yep. Um, okay, so my paradox is um, kind of one that is, uh, it's not really too complicated. It's kind of just one that everybody's heard before. It's um, a lot of people have said it, so I, I, stri- I, I hate to attribute it to one person. But I will go back to uh, kind of like probably one of the older sources of this quote, which is Socrates, I know that I know nothing. Um, And then, <laughs> what? Why are you laughing? It's just a funny statement. No, it's true. I mean, like, well, let me, the, the more uh, relevant one or pe- one that perhaps people have heard more is Einstein's, the more I learn, the more I realize how much I don't know which is kind of like the same quote with Mm -hmm. some different words. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it also came up in conversation the other day with a few of my friends um, when we were, we were just like learning some kind of tough material. And that's exactly kind of the thought that we were all thinking. Like we've, you know, med school is kind of like um, the classic analogy is college or high school is like drinking water from, you know, a, a cup or a glass or whatever. And then med school is like drinking from a fire hose when it comes to the, in, <laughs> the amount of information that you're learning. Yeah. But it, the more it's true, the more we learn, it's really, we're just learning about how much we don't know mm-hmm. um, because you're learning about the level of complexity that you didn't previously understand. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's, I think it's a, it's a good thought to whenever you see somebody who claims that they know a lot about something, you can almost bet your bottom dollar that they really don't know much mm-hmm. because somebody who truly knows a lot um, is somebody who doesn't put on that persona. Right. I've, I might've brought this up in a previous episode and I might have just brought it up to you in private. I'm not sure, but <laughs> One of the, probably the smartest guys I've ever met was my, well, I guess technically he was my boss or my principal investigator when I was doing research mm-hmm. at UAB, Dr. Mel. Yeah. 
I, I think I brought him up to you. Yeah, I remember hearing about him. Yeah, and the thing that was interesting about him was the fact that um, as much as he knew compared to the average person, you know, he had like a PhD in elementary particle physics, and then he had his MD, PhD in rheumatology. Like, he was just brilliant. And um, every conversation I had with him, he would ask at least one question, one that he didn't know the answer to. Like not hmm. just testing me, but one that like right. he was he was con- he was uh, thinking about at that moment. Usually, it pertained to whatever research we were doing at the moment because it's mm-hmm. it was a field that a lot of people didn't know much about, so it's right. kind of perfect for him. But you know, it just goes to show that like this guy was brilliant and he knew ninety nine percent more than the rest of the population mm-hmm. as far as just like about the human body and stuff. And yet he was still every single day just asking new questions. Just always curious. Yep. And that's why I respected him so much because, you know, I kind of, I kind of identify with that, um, with that mindset, you know? Yeah. I'm envious of it too. I was kind of, I was telling you about Nathan, the guy that came today and was teaching us some stuff. He was just like, he was teaching techniques that seem so simple and things that I should have thought of, but it's like, they are so effective. And it's like, why have I not been exposed to those? And it's like, I I know I've only been working in the field for a year and I went to school for three years, but there's so much left in this profession that I don't know. That's going to be encouraging though. It's it's exciting because it's like I know over the course of my career, over the next 30, 40, 50 years, however long I'm doing this, I'm going to learn a lot of crap and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, if you keep that mindset too, you're going you're gonna to be one of the best for sure. Yeah, yeah. So. I was just taken back by the wealth of knowledge because he came and was just like, what do you want to talk about? And I would ask him like about a particular case that I have that didn't quite add up. And he'd be like, well, have you tried this or this or this? And it's just, it was cool to see how quickly he was able to just kind of piece together, really ask appropriate questions leading me in the direction that I should be going, I guess. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll end on that note. Uh, I think, um, you know, we've, we've said before that, you know, we're really busy. So I apologize for waiting so long before posting this episode. It's been a minute. So, um, trust me, if I could do it more often, uh, I definitely would. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, we're, I'm happy that we're doing it at all. So, um, probably the next, the next episode, I, I'm the thing we're thinking about recording over Thanksgiving break. Um, if that still works out. So, keep that on the radar and thanks for listening to episode 11 mason you got anything else Mm -mm. that's it i'm excited for thanksgiving yeah we might have some holiday specials yeah we'll see (laughs) (laughs) all right we'll see you guys on the next one